Praise the Lord. I just want to start from that uh, Psalm 78. We've had the instruction as God has given in the, at the beginning of the Psalm from verse 4 as our sister read. But when it gets, got to 7, it said, Then they will put their trust in God and will not forget the deeds, but will keep his commands. They will not... Yes. They will not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. There is something about uh, these that I'm talking about. The ancestors sometimes are rebellious. And because they are rebellious, the children too will become rebellious. So we want to encourage um, leaders themselves. You know, people are watching us, marking what we do, hearing the things that we say. Let them see the Savior as it's been reflected in our, in our lives. Because of the rebellious of the ancestors, the people also will be rebellious. That's what he's trying to talk to us. These are people that are supposed to be concentrated to God. These are people that are supposed to know God. These are people that are supposed to walk side by side with God. And he also went further to say in that scripture again here, say, but they continue to sin against him. We want to encourage leaders because sometimes leaders are the main people that we need to talk to. Amen? They continue to sin against God, rebelling in the wilderness against the Most High. They willfully put God to test by demanding the food they crave for. What are the food that leaders can crave for sometimes? Leaders behave like children sometimes. And our children will see this type of behavior and you start to see them do the same. There's something about my mom. Somebody was arguing with my mom because we all live in the same compound. I had a problem with my mom. We saw it as children. And after a while, because we, we know that my mom is older than that person, but the way that person has spoken to my mom, we did not like it at all. So we take... Uh, offense and we started keeping malice with this woman that had problem with my mom but my mom was also noticing us amen all the children were not happy because of the way that she behaved but when we were, were when we see this woman we will not greet the woman because of the way she has acted towards my mom but my mom was watching so the day that my mom noticed it one once twice and he said who taught you this kind of business that you are taking on board in the presence of that woman that she's fighting? He said, it's me that she's fighting. She's not fighting you. In the presence of the, just disgracing us. In the presence of this, this same woman, he said, she's fighting me. And I did not tell you to take charge. I did not tell you to join this bad habit. And was saying that say, both of us know that it's bad habit. But you are still young. So my mom told us off. We felt so ashamed of ourselves. Because sometimes, leaders are the ones, because of the type of lifestyle that we do, we willfully sin. Then our children are catching up with it. And there is no way we can correct them. Even though my mom knows that what they were doing was wrong, but she doesn't want us to take 
uh, to be in that kind of form. So as leaders, what I just want to tell us is that let us show good examples to our children so that they will be able to live by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. I think those of you who are still young and you're still procreating, you're still reproducing, I think it will be more beneficial for you to know how to raise up godly children from the onset because we all we have this program called catch them young in christ faith tabernacle so that when you now catch them young when they grow up to the place that they can now be independent you will not have to sweat for them to live a godly life it will just be a natural process because we can cite ourselves as an example. Majority of the leaders now that are aging gracefully. <laughs> Amen. Amen. When we first started, we started very young. And we are rooted and grounded in this doctrine of godliness. That we know it from the onset. And there is nothing else that we know apart from godliness. And that is what we imparted into the life of our children. Today, we are not sweating over them. Today, we are not bothering, oh, where would they be tonight? Today, they cannot say, we, we will not be wondering, oh my God, is my child in the theater hall? Is he in the pub house? No, they are here. They are here and we do not struggle to bring them here. They come of their own accord. Why? Because the seed has been sown. I love this man in the scripture, Manua. No, 30 seconds. I love this man, Manua. We all know Manua's wife and we know Manua. In a nutshell, this, the, Lord, the angel of the Lord appeared to Manua's wife, which was Samson's mother, and gave her instruction. But the husband was not there. But when the husband got to know the instruction, said, no, I want to see the man who spoke to you. And when that man, the angel now appeared unto Manua. Let me finish, please. The angel now appeared unto Manua. And Manua only had one question to ask the angel. What is the instruction that we should pass on unto this child? How are we going to raise up this child? What is the mandate of this child on earth? And I think that it is, it is right, it is ideal for us as parents to know the spiritual mandate of our children, to know their life pursuits. What is that scripture we have been treating all this while? He says divine power has given us all things that we need for life and for godliness. So parents ought to sought to seek God concerning the spiritual mandate over their child and to know their earthly mandates so that they will be fulfilled on this earth. So that if Jesus tarry and we all go, we will know that indeed we have lived a successful life because these children will carry out the baton and they will live for Christ. Amen.
Okay, um, just before we started the service, I actually forgot about this. Pastor was saying to me that oh God, last year we were here, she said she remembered when I spoke about my daughter, you know, that um, she was supposed to, she was doing, she was involved with Red Cross, and that Red Cross was going to stop her from coming to Bible study for a whole year. And we said, no, she said the reason she wanted to join the Red Cross was because she wanted to study medicine. And when she came back and said it fell, the day of the meeting was the day of Bible study, the time of Bible study. And we said to her that no, because when the chips are down, you know that, okay, that, you're, that means for a whole year, you will not be in Bible study at all. And we said, no, instead of that, you have to cancel the, the Red Cross thing. And she didn't argue about it. So now, all last month, that she really needed the help of God. Because Apostle talked, talk, talked about a testimony. If it was not God, Red Cross would have not been able to give her the admission that she got. But because she sacrificed that and, you know, put God first. So this is why it is so essential that we train our children in the way of the Lord. The university that she was going, you know, the offer they gave us that she took pending the time that her... Uh, papers would be remarked. You know, when she got there, she saw things. You know, God, that was the first time she would be exposed to the world. And she saw things, and she had girls. What girls were telling her? They were actually giving her the website to look for sugar daddy. My daughter ran, she said, she thought all this was, that it's only in films, in movies, that this happened. And thank God for the word of God that has been implanted in her. She separated herself and did not mess up herself. Praise God. Amen. Raising godly children. So raising godly children starts before conception. I have to ask God beforehand about the gender, mandate, and destiny of your child. And as soon as conception takes place, parents must start to pray, prophesy, and communicate with the unborn child. Expectant mothers must eat the right food and adopt a healthy lifestyle. And as soon as a child is born, he or she needs care, love, and comfort. And Isaiah 49:15a attests to this. It is wrong and not ideal for babies and children to be left to cry endlessly under the notion that they will be spoiled when they are picked up all the time. In fact, some researchers have said that leaving a child to cry endlessly without care can affect their cognitive functions. And will be learning, they will be learning that people are not to be trusted. In raising godly children, their spiritual, academic, social, emotional, and overall well-being must be addressed. Children must be taught the word of God at home. They need to understand the importance of righteous living and giving to God. Parents must teach children, this is the great one, by being role models for their children. Parental involvement in their children's education, in their, all the things they, that are important to them, 
as important as well for children's well-being and self-esteem. We need to respect our children in raising them in godly way, and we need to let them know who they are in God. Psalm 144 verse 12, because of time I cannot read them. Psalm 139, 13 to 14, that they are wonderfully and beautifully made, no matter what shape or pattern. Pastor, please let me conclude. In raising godly children, we leave a legacy for generations to come. This is a big topic that we cannot teach today, the whole of today. But by God's grace, the little we have been able to teach, I hope that will be of benefit to someone here tonight. Praise the Lord. Raising godly offspring. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 14 verse 17. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness. One. Of peace. Two. And joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Romans 14, 17. What I've just read, there are three key words that I want us to see. We must live a life of righteousness. As parents, we must live a pure life of righteousness. Our lifestyle should be a lifestyle that is focused to the things of God and to heaven. You can look at the book of Colossians chapter 3, 1 to end. To end. talks about all these three qualities. To live a righteous lifestyle, we must set our hearts on things above and not on things on this world. Living each day for Christ and not entangling ourselves in the things of this world. And being transformed on a daily basis by the renewing of our heart. Putting on the nature of Christ and living holy lives. Seeing Christ is Christ that called us is holy, we must live a holy life. Like our sister said, the life that we live must be part of, will be seen by our children and they will live by it. You can write that in the book of First Peter chapter 1, 13 to 15. That talks about living a holy life because he that has called us is holy. Then peace, the kingdom of God that we are in. It's all about righteousness, it's all about peace, and it's all about joy. The Bible talks in the book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 15. It said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Parents whom God's peace rule their hearts, we raise godly children. Because if husband and wife are fighting every time, there is no way that they can raise godly children. In such homes, this is a home where wives will submit to the husband as uh, the Bible says. And so on and so forth. You know, and joy. When you live a life of righteousness, you live a life of peace, then the joy of the Lord will radiate your heart. Then these children too can be affected by the joy that is in our lives. So some of us, just to round up, sorry about this, some of us think it's a toy, is the books, or is the, what do you call this thing? Uh, play, play things that you buy, PlayStation and everything. No, that's not what you are talking about. Those things are part of the things that we use to raise them up. But we must make sure that even as we give them some of this toy, we also must be that toy that they are also playing with. And it will make their life to be better. Amen. 
All right, now I think uh, the first thing I will say is that I have been with this team in you know this year across CFT Global, and each time they taught in this panel about raising godly children and the children of leaders in the church. I wish that the whole CFT could be under that teaching. Now, the time we have now is very short, and because of that, I will be ensuring that they teach this to the whole church on Sunday, uh, from next Sunday. The ignorance of the truth is consequential to unnecessary suffering. Why will you cry, Isaiah 56, and I did not listen to you? Why would you fast and I hear you not? And if you go and read that scripture, you discover that it boils down to the fact that, apart from the fact that people have fasted in various ways, what God is saying is, how can I hear you when you are disobedient to me? And I will just read a um, few scriptures to back up what they are saying, though they didn't have time more to speak. <laughs> we work out that. Advice to the parents is this Proverbs 29:15. The rod of correction impacts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Parents must discipline. Parenting is not you uh, doing what the child is saying. The child is naive. When you go to university, your professor doesn't do what you say. You listen to him. He tells you what you don't want to hear. And you better hear it. Accept it. When he asks questions, give it back to him. So there is age of a child where you must instruct the child. Instruct the child. There is no room to child doing whatever he likes. They pass that age to come to another age where you want to see how much of what you have taught them they can do. And at that time, you start to converse with them and get them engaged in doing the things that you have been doing. And then they come to the age where you, you can now reason together. In decision-taking, you will ask them, what do you think we should do about this? And they tell you. And at that time, if you have taught them, you know, in, in line with all this godliness and rules, they will have had discipline. They will have had wisdom. They will have had prudence. And you will see your young child speaking like a matured man. If you achieve that in your old age when you have gray hair, you can be assured of a peaceful rest. If you fail to do that, you can be assured that in your old age you will cry. So discipline. Write that scripture down. The rod of correction impart wisdom. And this is not saying that you should cane your child. Rod of correction interprets to discipline. Alright? It makes the child wise. Now, the second thing you write down. The rod of correction is not flogging or child abuse. Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares the rod hates his child, his son. But he who loves him is careful to discipline him. So... When the Bible talks about a lot of correction, that means you cane your child. It talks about discipline carefully. 
And you do not discipline a child or punish a child. Let me say you do not punish a child when he hasn't done anything wrong. If a child behaves according to his brain and his level, to inflict any any, uh, punishment is wrong, is to correct that child. If a child deliberately disobeys instruction, then that is the time that, you know, chastisement comes in. And recognize chastisement, the Bible says here that it should be, you know, in love. Um, Chastisement should be in love. It shouldn't be a ruthless behavior. Proverbs 29, 17, write it down. Discipline your son and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. So if you discipline your son at the young age, that son will grow up well disciplined and give you peace. And I'm talking about really catching them at a young age, like the pastor said. <coughs> Proverbs 10, 1. The proverb of Solomon. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grieves to his mother. When a child is good, they praise the father. When a child is terrible, they accuse the mother falsely. You understand? And the woman grieves more when a son is not, is not behaving well. The father grieves, but not as the woman. And you need to know this. So that is why husband and wife must collaborate in disciplining the child. Not that one is disciplining, the other one is, you know, negating it. It is not right. It's a joint venture. Write this one down to find out on the discipline. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. And on this one, I will just help you understand. If you train your child, understand. It's not saying train your son. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. So the time of childhood is a time of training. But there are some children that even when you've trained them and they, they obey, they are so prudent and stuff, when they get to the, to, the, to the age of sonhood, association with people sometimes corrupt some of them. And when that happens, you don't have to worry. The seed is in that child. The child will come back, either he or she. They will get it now. So, but the time you need to impact, you need to know that a time it will come that you, you can't impact discipline on your child anymore, you can only advise. And that child has to decide what he will do for himself. But if you have imparted the children and the children grow to the age of sonship, which I'm talking about male and female now, you know, woman will grow to the age of, you know, wifeship or womanship. All right. So I, I would just want to balance that. So that the, it, is, it is influence, negative influence, that some may shipwreck, but they're coming back. But most of the people you train, they will follow the path to the end. We will always have people who will be bad examples, who will have bad stories on earth, who will be the one telling testimonies. Like I will tell you now, if you look at my own life and all many ministers, you know, Many ministers, you know, they will tell you when they used to be in the world, what they did and all stuff. Yes, that is an example where it's not a good one. But there are some of us who don't have such record. Because we are trained, raised in church, we follow it till today, until there. But those who, dis- who, who go away from the discipline, 
the seed is in them. But you must make sure you teach them the truth while they were still children. So then the grave will not come out. It will not, they will not depart. Let me give you exa- advice for children too. And when I say children, even if you are 78 and you still have your mother, you are a child to somebody. I would gather now. So if you see how your parents living, Proverbs 17, 19 to 22. He who loves quarrel, loves sin. <clears throat> he who builds a high gate, invite destruction. A man of power's heart does not prosper. He whose tongue is deceitful falls into trouble. To have a fool for a son brings grief. There is no joy for the father of a fool. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Second scripture for advising the children is Second Corinthians 6.14. Do not be yoked together or unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? That is peer pressure. And understand this, a person may be a member of the church, but he may may be a son of darkness or a a daughter of darkness. It is by their character. How much, if somebody used to God, is a son of God. If somebody used to flesh or to the world, is not a son of God. So you must be very, very careful with um, relationship. Then Proverbs 31, 1 to 3. The saying of Lemuel, of King Lemuel, an oracle his mother taught him, O my son, O son of my womb, O son of my vow, do not spend your strength on women. This is to, to young boys. Do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. Be careful, those of you who are young boys, when it comes to getting involved in relationship with the opposite sex, with a woman, be careful. The same thing with girls. When you are young, it's better for you to do two things. Serve God to the fullest and read to the fullest. Don't get involved in a relationship. If God brings the right person to you when you are young, that person will only enhance your godliness, enhance your ambition in life. It will not derail you. That is of God. But anybody who will get involved in a relationship and that relationship is leading you to sin, is making you rebellious, is causing trouble between you and everybody that you know before who have been friends with, such relationship is a trap of hell. And a man must be very, very careful in such. Because whoever you meet, what the person is to you at whatever age in courtship, is half of what the person will be when you are married. So if the person is not a relationship builder, when you are in courtship, that he isolated you or she isolated you from all good relationships, you have been enjoying your life peacefully and happy, certainly if you stick your head into marriage or such, God cannot deliver you from the suffering to your old age and death. There are people who are passing through that now. Therefore, he says, my son, do not spend your strength on women, your rigor on those who reign kings. There are many more things in that scripture. Granted, his mommy says scripture. 
Ecclesiastes 11, 9 to 10. Advice to the children or to, yeah. Be happy, young man, while you are young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the way of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all this, God will bring you to judgment. What you see, what you do, God will judge you. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. For youth and vigor are meaningless. When you are young, you must enjoy God. Serious. Because a time will come that it is what you have attained in your youth age that will take you to your old age. Two more scriptures in that. Ecclesiastes 12.1 Remember now that creator the days of thy youth were the days of trouble. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Let me help you understand life. First 20 years, you form what you want to become. Second 20 years, you build up what you have become. And your next 20 years, you should enjoy what you have become. But all those years, they go like this. That's how it goes. When you are looking at them ahead, they look far. But in a short time, you are past those ages. If you miss those segments of age, your next 20 years will take you to 80. is with sorrow and sign. So be very, very wise. The last advice, Proverbs chapter 1, 8 to 19, dealing with peer pressure. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for someone, someone's blood. Let's release some, some harmless soul. Let's release them alive like the grave and, and whole like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunders. Throw in your lots, throw in your lots with us, and we will share a common pause. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their path, for their feet rush to sin. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They will lay only themselves. Such is the end of all who go after a gotten gain. You know what the scripture is saying here? It takes away lives, you know, it takes away the lives of those who get it. So what the Bible is saying here is this don't look, let me say this to you. I stand up. Five more minutes and finish. Everyone born out of a woman and from a father, nobody can love you more than your parents. Keep that in your head. 
Nobody can love you more than parents. Number two, the person you must marry must love your parents so dearly. If they find it difficult to love your parents, it's a wrong choice. They will crash your life. Write what I'm telling you, your tablet of your heart. So how do you know a right husband? How do you know a right wife? When you, when you meet the person you marry, you have confidence to tell your parents, I have met somebody I want to marry. That when you get to the age. And that person, the first thing that will happen is, it will cleave with your mother. If you're a man, she will cleave with your mother. She will bond so much with your mother. A, a woman who does not love your mother so much and your parents will never be a good wife. Same thing, a boy will come in, if you, if you meet the right boy, he will love your dad, love your parents, of course. The mother is always the one that is first attracted to the right person. You know, because in the house, all children go to their mother when they want to get things done. Isn't it? She's a short pedal. Where your father says no, you can still walk around your mother eventually, you get what you want. So, if anybody loves you truly and is God sent to be your husband or wife, or those of you who are married, the first woman is that that person will just fall in love with your parents. No man who separates you or tries to tactically separate you from your friends, who are your best friends, or your parents, is right for you. They are time bomb. It's a matter of time. They will explode. Now, I'm sharing with you wisdom of gray hair because my hair has changed over the years and before I go to my grave you must know the truth the last advice Mm. the last advice of father and mother parents and children Colossians 3, 20 to 21. Children obey your parents in everything. Did you see that now? For this, this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. When a child does a, a good thing, encourage that child. Celebrate the child. Let the child know that you have done good. If your child did something not up to the standard, celebrate what he has done before taking him to standard so that the child will feel encouraged. Some people don't tell their children, I love you really, you know. You must tell your children you love them. If you don't say to your wife, I love you, if that marriage stay for three years, it's only by mercy, extra mercy. So you must keep this in your heart. Well, Advice to father and parents and, and, and children. Finally, Psalm 34, 11 to 17. Come, my children, listen to me. What is the duty of parents? He says, come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of God. You must teach your children the fear of God. So that they fear God not by compulsion, but by relationship with God. You didn't force them to fear God. You taught them God, and you leave God before them. Example. 
Whoever of you loved life and desires to see many good days without, with few regrets, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Listen, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on all the righteous and his ear are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. To cut their memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all his troubles. What is the brain behind the success of Solomon? And that is what led to his downfall or the downfall of his greatness. When he obeyed, he was great. When he disobeyed this instruction, he fell and died a miserable man. And that is First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 8 and verse 9. It says, So now I charge you in the sight of all Israel, and of the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful to follow all the command of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land, and pass it on as an inheritance to your descendants forever. Then he says, And you, my son Solomon, Acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion. Don't serve God because of people. Serve God yourself. It is rewarding. And with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Understand this before we pray. Just brief prayer and then we will dance. And then we will hear the word. <coughs> this hour is just to give us reflection. God will bless you when you are obedient. God will curse you when you are disobedient. People should know that. Salvation does not remove you from being punished. Salvation is a call to behave like God and join Him. Now, your behavior determines what God will do to you. You serve Him with all your heart? Come on now. I can guarantee you, you will laugh for the days of your life. If you reject Him, the punishment that comes for disobedience is not a new thing God is sentencing. No. God's jurisprudence has been set before you were born. That if you do this, you will get this. If you do this, you will get this. And God has spoken them into the air. And that is the same law that governs the rotation of the world, revolution of the world, the stars and the moon, and all fishes and all stuff. Therefore, nobody who is faithful and godly end up in sorrow. It's not possible. But then, God knows how to frustrate a person who deliberately you know, disobey God. You know what they have told you here? What they have been communicating with you? Blesses the man who works on the council of the wicked or sits in the seat of scoffers or stands the ways of sinners. Alright? You must make sure if you are serving God, 
don't allow a peer pressure of anybody you know is ruthless, godless, wayward in their tongue, in their thoughts. Don't allow them to influence you because they will take you to the place of peril. And you will be a casualty that you are not supposed to be. Do we get it now? I believe very, very much that this section we have done so fine. Let's just stand up together. We are going to. You want to clap for me? You see, my bell ringer just forgot about me. You see, she just she just forgot about me. Now we are going to pray for ourselves because, except those of you whose parents have, are no more, but you see, have spiritual parents. If your parents are no more, you have spiritual father, mother. We are going to pray all of us. God give us a heart of obedience. Help me to obey you to the, re- to the end of my life. Lift up your, your voice and let's pray to God. Help us, O oh God. Give us the heart of obedience. God bless Solomon so much. But Solomon fell terribly. Lord, help us, O oh God. Help me to acknowledge you with all my heart. Let us tell God. God knows how to bless the intention of the righteous and frustrate every intention of the wicked. God knows how to accelerate a truthful person and expose and disgrace a liar. So, Lord, help us, O God, to be truthful in everything that we do. Cleanse our spirit and our soul. Lord, we bless your holy name. In Jesus' anointed name, we are prayed with thanksgiving. Lord, we submit ourselves to you. We thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for your mercy and your goodness. We receive refreshing from you that you give us a heart of obedience all the days of our life. In Jesus' anointed name, we are praying with thanksgiving. Somebody say amen. amen. Choir, please, let's go. You are great, yes, you are. Holy one. You walked upon the sea, you raised the dead. You're the great and mighty one, mighty God. Everything written about you is great. You are great, yes you are, mighty God. Walked upon the sea. You walked upon Just last weekend, just as I'm singing to you, 
in the retreats with El Shaddai, heaven fell down. I want to sing with your heart, not with your lips. Forget all your skills, just follow me. When you sing in the spirit, every one of you should recognize that. Instrument must follow what I do. And everybody singing must sing the words of the song. Everybody together now. You are great. Yes, you are. Holy one. You walked upon the sea. You the Mighty God. Yes, you are holy one. You walked upon the sea. You raised the dead. You prayed in majesty, God. Everything, everything written about you is Yes, you are great. Bless you. Shall I put our hands together and welcome mommy? Lay your treasures in heaven. I will say, woman, man, lay up your treasures in heaven. 
the Lord. I believe that we have been blessed tonight. And showing that we have to show the appreciation by putting our hands together for the choristers as they go to take their seats. Amen. Amen. After this, we shall raise godly children. You know, something came to my heart about us mothers. You leave your children at home and you come. This selfish attitude must leave us in the name of Jesus. When you come, like a program like this, Elikena prepared his house with Hannah and uh, Penina. And the, all the children, they were giving money and, sh- and their shares to come to the household of fellowship and come and, do, and come and worship God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of their forefathers. But in this convention, we put this convention during holidays time. How many people are bringing their children to Shiloh? I want you to have that question mark before, before, before you tonight. We have to bring our children to Shiloh. Convention time is a time of blessing. Don't exempt them from being blessed. Only us shake ourselves and you come. But your children are saying, we are watching television. God might not forgive you for that. Except you go and kneel down and pray. So those of you that your children are not, have not been in this conference, you have to fast and pray that God will forgive you. And I know that he will forgive you. Let's be seated, please. Amen and amen. We are still looking at laying up our treasure in heaven. We were able to look through some of the scriptures since we started. And today we are looking at other areas of laying up our treasures in heaven. I was able to tell us what treasures are. Treasures are valuables. Treasures, God's word, which is the Holy Bible. Treasures, the word of God, which is Jesus himself. And we looked at this critically uh, some, uh, some few days ago. And treasures are also man or persons. Hence, we must appreciate one another. We must appreciate our friends. We must appreciate our husband. We must treasure them. We must appreciate our wives. Men, don't talk to your wives anyhow. You must appreciate them. Amen? Because they are treasures. Amen? And we must appreciate our staff. The workers that work with us, we must appreciate them. Don't talk to them anyhow. We must appreciate our, our staff, our worker, our clans. They are treasures to us. Our children, they are also treasures to us. Amen and amen. So today we are going to look at man as treasure to God. Looking at the key scriptures here, it says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front, in front, in front of others. That is chapter 6 verse 1. Or to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your fathers in heaven. That is, we must practice righteousness in the presence of our friends. Because they are God's own treasure. He says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. As hypocrites. We, not, we must not be hypocrites in the way we behave. As hypocrites do in the synagogues or on the streets. If we appreciate people, we honor them. We don't show up to them. We don't tell them that we want to do something that we cannot do. Because if we do that, we, are, we will be rewarded only on this earth. 
He said, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand, your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. The Lord will grant us grace and wisdom to understand what this Bible is talking about. We must not show off. We must give in reverence to the lifestyle of God. Then your Father, who is in heaven, who sees what is done in the secret, will reward you. There are times, all these things, that your Father will reward you in full in this scripture. He said, then your Father in heaven will reward you. May we be rewarded as we lay our treasures in heaven. And uh, the, the treasures as man or person. We want to look at a man. In the Bible, in the, in the book of Luke chapter 12, this man was so treasured by God. God blessed him with everything that he needed for life and for godliness. But because the man is so greedy. You know, in that book of Matthew, he said we should avoid being greedy if we lay a treasure in heaven. But this man was so treasured by God, loved by God, and God blessed him. And with the blessing of God, he felt he has arrived. Then he felt he can keep this treasure to himself. But the end of this man was so terrible. And you can see the parable of this rich fool in the book of Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 from verse 13, he says, Someone in the crowd said to him, this was, you know, one of the things that Jesus always do because he treasures the Father so much and he wants to preach the Father. He wants to preach about the kingdom. He wants to go about doing the things of the kingdom. Because Jesus himself treasured man so much, he wants to affect man positively in everything. He said, now someone, because of Jesus' teaching and Jesus encouraging them all around, someone just shouted in the crowd and said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. This is a parable. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out! Be on your guard! Against all kinds of greed. I want you to underline. And this is what God is saying to us in this conference. We must be on guard. And keep ourselves and guard ourselves against all manner of greed. Because someone can be greedy after God has blessed you. And for you to release such blessings to the other person, you begin to hold. It's a kind of greed. May the Lord take away greed from us in Jesus' name. He says all kinds. So there are various kinds of greed. Greed that you hoard. Greed that you don't want to give. Greed that you, 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 you the, the, the wisdom that God has given to you, you are not ready to, to, to share it, is, is greed. Greed. He said all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Hiding your possessions. God has blessed you and you, you, you ought to bless others with your gift or you ought to bless others with your possession, but you refuse to do so. It's a kind of greed. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I know after this conference, God is blessing us. And when you begin to receive that blessing of God, you must make sure that you do as God will want you to do with that blessing. You must get rid against all kinds of greed. Greed will not make you to pay your tithes. 
Greed will not make you to, to give offering. Give, greed will not let you to, to bless other people around you. You'll be thinking, how much am I earning that I have to be sharing this morning? Greed will not allow a husband to share his wealth with his wife. Greed will not allow wife to share their wealth with their husbands. Greed will not allow parents to share their wealth, the wealth of knowledge that they have with their children. Greed will not allow you to do that. All the money that you have with your children. May the Lord help us so that we can guard against all this kind of greed. And he started telling them this parable of this rich man. He said the ground of a rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barn and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. There are some people that are going through this at this hour. God has really blessed you. And then you are saying to yourself, you are going to take life easy. That's the time that you know friends that you, you, you know for many days or many years, and then you'll be roaming about with friends and doing wrong things instead of coming to church and enjoying life in God. And he says to himself, you have plenty of grain, grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you from you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself this is how it will be with whosoever stored up things for themselves if we continue to store up things for ourselves on earth here but it's not rich towards god god demands that we be rich towards him i want to encourage all brothers and sisters tonight that in anything that we do we must make sure that we carry god along with us this rich man, after God has blessed him, after he has owned a lot of good, good things, and he now felt, this is my life. My life belongs to me. And maybe you are seeking God, and God is upgrading you from one low esteem to a higher esteem. God is doing a lot of surprises to you. That's the time that you said, no more. I want to enjoy my money. What is this tithe they are talking about? The church is all about money these days. It's all about money. I don't want to go to church anymore. Then you begin to enjoy your money. But God calls all people fools. May we not be fools in the name of Jesus. This rich man felt he has arrived. And was just doing what he likes. And God was watching him. Meanwhile, he was only laying his treasure on earth here. He was not laying it up in heaven. But God called this man rich fool may we not be rich fool in the name of jesus after god has blessed us may we use that abundance that god has given to us to be a blessing to god you know we are, i'm also going to look at many giving 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 god demands that we give everything that he has given to us the bible said concerning this rich man god gave everything that he needs for life and for godliness he gave him everything that he wants. This young man has been praying for promotion. And God bless his van. He has everything. Maybe you have been on uh, 20,000. 
God moves you to 40,000. From 40,000, 60,000. From 60,000 per annum, I'm talking about 80,000. From 80,000 to 100,000. When you're on, on 20,000, you are able to pay your tithes. But the moment you get to that 80,000, ah, am I going to give all this money? But God said you should watch out against all kinds of greed. That is greediness. You are now becoming greedy that because to remove that money now becomes difficult. But to share that money with friends outside and be like the prodigal son, spending the money anyhow, now you don't pay your tithe, now you don't pay your offering, now you don't help people around you anymore, now you begin to do what you like. God calls such people fools. May we not be foolish in the presence of God in Jesus' name. The Bible says, it describes the man who lay up his treasure for himself on earth. When we lay our treasures for ourselves on earth, we don't, in the things of God, we are very poor. We'll be very poor. We'll be lacking behind in the things of God. When it's time to come to church, it's your work that will become a priority. Because you want that money by all means. Amen? You don't know what I'm talking about. The bills are there. I don't have money to pay my bill. You don't know what I'm talking about. God called you rich fool. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. The ground of this certain rich man brought abundant harvest. Abundant harvest can be promotion. Abundant harvest can be favor. Abundant harvest can be God transforming your wealth. You have been struggling. Abundant harvest can be God giving you jobs. Some of us go extra miles and getting other jobs. And you call such abundant harvest. But as you continue to have that abundant harvest, you neglect the work of God. May the Lord speak to us tonight in Jesus' name. When this person now got another job, he got everything, he has power, you'll be praying, God, give me a stay in this country. If you can give me that stay, you will see how I'm going to worship you. Number one, God surprised you and gave you that stay. You know, to some people, that stay is abundant harvest. But after having the stay, then you start neglecting God one after the other. May that not be your portion. You will not only neglect God, but you cause other people to neglect God. What are you talking about? Is he not that man of God? Ah, we both work together as security officer. And he said he has a church now. And you are going to tell you, no, no, deserving you. You become that big fool before the other person becomes fool with you. He thought within himself, within himself, what shall I do? You know, pride takes over. Now that God has blessed me with this abundant harvest, what will I do? Will I continue to go and be serving God? No, I don't want to serve God. I will pull down my barn and build a bigger one. Now there is money to extend that business. So he wants to, at this business, there's another contract that I'm getting in Ireland. Or there's another contract I'm getting in Germany. There's another contract somewhere. And then you'll be pursuing those contracts and leaving the work of God undone. God is calling you back to basis tonight in the name of Jesus. You that have been seriously working for God and building towards heaven and laying your treasure in heaven, then you begin to draw back in the things of God and pursuing the things of man and pursuing the things of this world. And that's what that man said to himself. He said, I will pull down my barn and big a bigger. Let me, this business, I really want to build this business. Apostle have been prophesying. We will, uh, we, we will have uh, many to, uh, plenty to eat. We will bless nations. And then you will, you will be turning the scriptures around that God has said that you will, you, you, will, you will lend to a nation. And that's what you want to do. You then neglect God and start pursuing business. 
And there I will store up all my fruits and my goods. Self-centeredness now comes in. You are only thinking about me, 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 me alone. And that is what this proverb is telling that Jesus was giving to the people is telling us. And there I will store all my fruits and all my goods. No, 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 I'm expecting a sheep. Maybe from... Uh, Argentina, and that sheep is going to come with it. Then your focus now has deviated from God. You don't read the scripture anymore. You don't, you don't flow in the things of God anymore. But before you know it, you're entangled with the things of the world instead of focusing on heaven. And this rich fool, in this way, Paulo said, And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have much good laid up for many years. Take your time. Drink. Eat. And Mary, then you become to you begin to declare, knowing fully well by Romans fourteen seventeen, the kingdom of God is not only eating and drinking alone. Before you know it, there is another, there is a party somewhere. You are the chairman. Everybody now knows that you have money, so they make you chairman for that party. You will go become that chairman. All what you are doing, the money that you support, the Bible says you should bring all your tithes and your offering to the stars, but you don't listen to that. Your money is now for partying. Another person is doing something somewhere, they make you chairman. All what you are doing is laying your treasure on earth. Pleasing man and everything that is being done in this world. If you are such a person, may the Lord bring you back tonight in the name of Jesus. And he said, I will say to my soul, rest. He was not thinking of what the scripture said, that the kingdom of God is not only eating and drinking alone. It's not all about marriage. It's not all about marrying in that book of Romans 14, but it's righteousness. You stop pursuing righteousness. When you pursue righteousness, as I've said, you lay your treasure in heaven. But you pursue the things of this world and neglecting God, then you are laying your treasure on earth. But for this rich fool, he was only pursuing the things of this world. Building one band to the other and getting stuff for himself. And felt when he had so much, he will now sit down and be eating and, 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 and be drinking. But Jesus replied him and said, You fool, this night your soul shall be taken from you. May that not be a portion in the name of Jesus. And to people that are seeking righteousness, that are seeking the things of God, God promised us a beautiful home. Amen. In that book of John, he said, I'm, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. But if it's in this world, Satan will be ready to spread you all in this world for you to have nothing. So it's he that lays treasure for himself. This rich fool was laying treasure for himself and not, uh, was rich for this world, but not rich for God. This, is all, this also will be to the category described in the book of James chapter 5, 1 to 6. Let's look at that James 5, 1 to 6. The people that are rich in this world. So that as you pray that you are rich in this world, you want to pray that you do the things of God. And not only focus your life only on the things of this world. Let's look at what that James chapter, chapter 5. James chapter 5. It talks about the, the rich oppressors. Let's look at what it says. And that describes this parable that Jesus was telling, especially those that think they are rich in their own eyes. He said, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail. 
It's good to be rich. But when you are rich and you neglect God, God said you should weep. Because of the misery that is coming on you. Because if you are rich only for this world and you are not rich in the things of God, then there is a misery that is coming upon such people. He said, your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. People that are rich in this world, people that thought they have money in this world, and then just want to enjoy the world and neglect and forget God. He says, your gold and silver are corroded. Why are they corroded? Because you are only using it for the world business. He said, are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Do you know how you hoard or hide your wealth? By using it to please yourself and using it to please the world and not using it towards the things of God. He said, look, the wages you fail to pay the workers who moored your field are crying against you. You are rich in this world and you mistreat people because I'm talking about laying your treasure in heaven, uh, man and person. You are supposed to, 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 to lay your treasure, to, to, to support the people that God has given to you as workers. But in this case, this rich man mistreats his workers. He said, look, the wages you fail to pay the workers who moored your field are crying against you. The cries of the investors have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the days of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. So God is talking to people that are rich to themselves. People that are not rich towards God. People that are not sacrificing to do the things of God. And James wrote, on the worthlessness of riches, we acquire while we are on earth. While we ignore our heavenly mandates, sometimes we, are, we keep on acquiring riches on earth. And we, and we ignore the, our heavenly mandates. The Bible says we should come together and fellowship. But because you are looking from one job to the other, there is no way that you can fellowship. The money we acquire or accumulate while on earth will be of no value when Christ will return to rule in God's eternal glory. Amen? We need money for God's missionary works. We need money to spread spread the good news. Sometimes we all towards all these things. The church work needs to be carried out effectively. It also needs money. We also need to pay bills and all the things that we do in the household of faith. But when we allow money to rule us, there is tendency that we will not be able to do this, but we will only be thinking of ourselves alone. It is the love of money that leads to evil. The book of First Peter chapter 6, verse 10. Causing some people to oppress others in order to get more for themselves. God is calling us tonight to lay our treasures in heaven and ignore the things of this world. Even though we are in the world, but our focus must always be in heaven. Amen. Our focus must always be that when I leave this earth, what is my testimony going to be? And will God receive me in my heavenly home? But it only takes those people that are sacrificially given to God, sacrificially work for God while they're on earth, that they don't treat people anyhow, that respect people with their money, 
that don't just slap people with money and doing what they like with the money that God has given to them. Because one day, like the rich fool, he will come and tell you, my time is up. This is the time that I need you to go home. What will your testimony be? Is it going to be like the rich fool that don't have a testimony? I'm talking about sacrificial giving in the household of faith. God has called us to give in the household of faith. How are you taking that serious? God has called us to fellowship in the household of faith. How are we taking that? God has called us to spend more money in the things of God, but you are only spending money in your own things. You are spending money to yourself. I've not paid my child's school fees. What are you talking about? I've not done this for myself. What are you talking about? I need more job. Then you are acquiring and building more bands like the rich fool. One day we will give account to the Lord by ourselves. But when the Lord will come to take us home, and when the time comes that we are going to give account in heaven, may our investment be rich in the name of Jesus. God wants us to give towards his work so that our investment will be powerful in heaven. And in conclusion tonight, he was also talking about giving, sacrificial giving. And in that Matthew chapter 10, 37, he said, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their business more than me is not worthy of heaven. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of heaven. Amen. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Taking a cross to follow God is neglecting everything that is in this world, even though we are there and focusing in heaven. Doing the work of ministry, doing the work of God. If not, the enemy will become a prey to the enemy and in the end we regret. He said, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find, we find it. May we lose our life for the sake of the Lord in the name of Jesus. He went for that to say in that verse 40, anyone who welcomes you, welcome me. And anyone who welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. May we welcome Jesus into our lives on a regular basis in Jesus' name. Because he said anyone who, who do all these things, giving, sacrifices, giving, loving your brother as yourself, and uh, fellowshipping, and coming to the household of faith, sacrificially giving yourself to the service of the Lord. Tonight we have people giving themselves to the service of the Lord, playing the piano, playing the band, playing the organ. We have the choir singing. If you do all these things, that shows that you love the Lord. But if you stay at home and you are watching television, your children are with you, they are watching television, you didn't send them out to watch television. May you not stay at home. There are some people that want to go out, they can't go out. Are you listening to me? Maybe one sickness is making them bound at home because of the way they have neglected God. May God not, may we not be such people in the name of Jesus. May God release us from anything that is bounding us to sit down at home. You call your children, no, sit down, let's say, you, you can't go to church, you can't go to church. We need to encourage for such people, <laughs> when, when you begin to pay the price, may, we not, may, may, the, may, may the righteous one not join you in paying your price in Jesus' name. He said, whoever welcomes a is now, he said, anyone who welcomes you, welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. 
God wants us to honor one another. I'm talking about people, treasuring people as a treasure. Treasuring your children as treasure. That shows that you welcome God. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. We have said it all here tonight. We must welcome one another. Amen. We are all righteous people. We must love each other. We must show love to one another. We must share with one another. We must give to one another. We must show to one another that we love each other. And if you show all this thing to one another, then it shows also that you love God. And he said one significant thing here. And he says, if anyone gives even a cup of water, God is talking about giving here. The scripture in the book of Hebrews says, your brother is in need. And you ask him to pray. He said, where is the love of God in your heart? The poor or the needy, the Bible says, you will always find amongst you. Amen? So God is saying to us to care, the care, the, 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 the respect. Cup of water goes extra mile. Amen? He said, whoever gives, that cup of water must be meaningful to you. Whosoever give a cup of water, that is when someone is in need, you try to meet up with that need. It might not be physical cup of water. Amen. The cup of water is talking about if you can share your love with one another because you are God's own treasured possession. Anyone that gives a cup of water to any one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly, I tell you, the person will certainly not lose their reward. A cup of water. God is talking about giving the best of your best. I remember there was a time. I, I prepared like the last that I have in the house. And I prepared it for my husband. And I, I, I was not expecting any guests anyway. And I felt okay. This one I made for, even though I don't want to eat. But as long as my husband eats this last food that I prepared. Then someone was knocking at the door. Here comes a guest. And I don't want to tell lies. Because that person came around exactly the time I want to prepare that food for my husband. And as the person came in, and I started the person, because I cannot, because of you, just put the food away. No way. Because the kind of husband that I have, we just, where is that food? I ask you. <laughs> so, and that was the last food. And I fell to myself. So I called that person to prepare this. I said, look. This is the last food I have in the house. And this food, I really want to give it to my husband. But I can make something else for you because that food is fresh fish. You know what I'm talking about. And I really garnished and did a lot of sacrifice in, in, in it. I'm talking of a cup of water. Amen. And as I was preparing that person so that that person will eat what I'm going to prepare. It's not going to be like that fresh fish. I think my husband heard. He said, no, give that food to him. Oh, my days. We should give that which food? <laughs> when, when I don't want to eat that food, and I felt I should prepare it for you, and you said I should give it. Ah, I felt sorry. I said, I said give that food to him. That food is meant for him, not meant for me. And you can make any other thing for myself. You know, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. That is what he's talking about, this cup of water. That is sacrificially, sacrificially given. It, it was not easy that day. You know, I have to reluctantly give that thing. I was grumbling. I said, why? 
you know, it's you, I'm preparing another thing for this person. This you that wants to eat that fish. He said, no. That is the person that should eat that fish. You know, sacrificial giving. You know, I have to learn from that. Not that I don't want to give, but this, I'm preparing it for my husband. I can hide it. Which is a sin, but I don't want to hide it. So I prepare that person. So if you can give a cup of water, that is what I'm talking about, the cup of water. Even you prefer others than yourself, that is the cup of water. If you do that, you'll be laying treasures in heaven. And the Bible promises, if anyone gives even a cup of water, insignificant thing. You know, to me, that fish, to, 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 to my husband, is nothing. It's insignificant. That, give it to, to, to him. But to me, this is, how can I go and be preparing fish again? So you have to eat like biscuit or snacks. So that's what I want to give to the other person. But he refused. So, uh, to, uh, tolerating one, uh, another person to yourself, you know, so that is what I'm talking about here with that give, uh, cup of water. He said, and if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, because that's what they used to entertain in those days, like a cup of tea or something like that. It's so insignificant. But those things that look insignificant, that you can, if you can just do it, as the Lord said. He said, these little ones, who, who is my disciple? Truly, I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward in heaven. And what is that reward in heaven? It's the treasure that you have laid in heaven. May the Lord grant us this great understanding. And I'll quickly round it up. There are things or acts we must avoid when we lay our treasures in heaven. And what are these things? You know, because when we lay our treasure in heaven, moth cannot eat it. Insects cannot eat it. Thieves cannot come into it and boggle it. And all these bad, bad things will not happen because our treasure has been laid up in heaven. I pray that the Lord will teach us more on how we lay our treasure in heaven. There are things or acts we must avoid as we lay our treasures in heaven. And I quickly want to finally con- conclude again with this. We must avoid hunger and hatred. Matthew chapter 5, 21 to 22 talks about it. Hunger and hatred. He said, be angry, but do not what? Do not sin. A lot of times we are angry, but we sin. When we are angry, because the Bible, we must avoid such things. And we continue to be angry, then we cannot lay a treasure in heaven because we have allowed devil to rule our lives. Number two, we must avoid irresponsible commitment to God. When we make a vow, we must be sure that we pay our vows. The book of Ecclesiastes talks about this, chapter 5. And Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus was teaching as he was going from one place to the other, 33 to 37, talks about this. When you get home, make sure that you read it. Avoid irresponsible commitment to God. And don't make a vow when you know you cannot pay that vow. If not, you only be laying your treasure on earth here. Number three. In your marriage, because I'm talking to women tonight, and I know some men are here, so I'm talking to both male and female, because the Bible says both male and female, he created us. Once we are married, we must commit ourselves to each other, as God hates divorce. Matthew chapter 5, 31 to 32. God will help us in this area. 
Because this is very, very common in this, in, in this nation. If you do that, you are laying your treasure on earth. You just want to enjoy as many men as possible. I don't like my husband anymore. I don't like this anymore. For the reason that you should divorce, we don't pray that anyone divorce for, for any reason. But you can divorce, but I'm not going to allow it. Amen? Because if you divorce, then you are laying your treasure on earth. Because you want to enjoy only the benefit of this earth. Because the Bible says, I hate divorce. I think our Father in the Lord will be able to carry us on on this when we have marriage seminars and everything in Jesus' name. And lastly, a giving must be from a sincere heart. It must not be from any type of heart, but from a sincere heart. Matthew chapter 5, 23 to 26, and Matthew chapter 25, 34 to 37. I pray in the name of Jesus that all that have been said will make use of them and will be able to lay our treasures in heaven like never before in Jesus' name. Let's put our hands together for the Lord as we welcome the man of God who's coming to close us tonight in Jesus' name. You can do better than that. Amen. Shall we rise up together, please? There is, some, there is a prayer point I want you to take at this hour before the next person will come in. I think tonight we still have time to take three testimonies. And I will give room to that uh, towards the end of the meeting. Does something not prick your conscience concerning your tongue? We want to pray about our tongue. It's likewise, the tongue is a small part of this body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Reading from James chapter 3 from verse 5. Now verse 6 says, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts a whole person, the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire. And is itself set on fire by hell. We're going to pray that Lord assign a messenger at the door of my tongue. That not everything I hear, I speak. I will tell God, assign a messenger at the door of my tongue. And Lord, assign a messenger at the door of my ears so that I will have ability to, to filter the things I hear so that not everything that comes to my hearing will take control of my tongue or will uh, uh, control my attitude. Shall we just pray? Assign your messenger, O oh God, at the door of our lips. Give us a filter in our ears so that not everything we hear we react to. Not everything we hear we ponder. Not everything we hear control our tongue. Lord, we pray, assign your messenger at the door of our ears. ears. Control my speech, O oh God. Tell the Lord whatsoever is lovely. Words of us of good report, if I be any part virtue of praise, let it be my tongue, O oh God. Let my tongue preserve knowledge. 
The Bible says the tongue of a priest ought to preserve knowledge and out of his mouth men should say counsel. Because he is a minister of the God Almighty. Sovereign Lord, the authority of God cannot reside in a reckless tongue. Help me, Lord, not to be reckless in my tongue, in the use of my tongue. Enable me to control my tongue. In Jesus' anointed name, we are praying. I have something too very strong about giving. He says, anyone, and if anyone gives even a cup of water to one of these little ones, because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. The other reference says that he will receive the reward in this world and the world to come. Two things you want to pray about this. The first thing you want to pray is this. Give me a heart of benevolence. Let me tell you the story mommy told you. What, what is in my mind that I knew that in the house was my last meal and with great joy I am willing that my guests who came in should have it. What is going on in my mind? I know how to keep hungry and control my hunger if I have to. I may decide not to eat when there is food for the whole day. Number two, I know in the Bible, God tested people before me. It matters like that. So I believe that if a person will come into my house at such time, it is my own test by God. And I have assured God I will fail him. Because I know that if I give my last out, it's an opportunity to receive abundance. What you were not told is what took place thereafter. Till today, I'm still enjoying it. I have met people in the plane, and my spirit told them that, told me to take them home because they have no place to stay. And when we go to the, left the airport, I asked, where are you staying tonight? He said, I don't know. He said, maybe I will phone this, my brother, who has said I should call. We called the number, nobody picked it. So I said, okay, I will take you home. Because I remember Jesus says that when I was homeless, you took me home. You see, we must understand, the benevolence that Jesus is speaking about, is not picking somebody homeless out there. He's speaking about somebody homeless here, in the household. Because if you look at that scripture, it says you can do this to, to the least of your brethren. Feeding the people hungry outside there is government duty. It's not church duty. Housing of anybody homeless there is government duty. It's not church primary duty. The church primary duty is the poor among you, you take care. The homeless among you, you take care. Now when the church is able to take care of all the needs of the church, and the church has abundance it is the abundance that those outside there can receive that is the scripture and jesus is very very firm on that 
to have people who are who are destitute in the church who are hungry in the church and who are you know needing the church and ignore them but go out there to be building if they are queuing here every Thursday and they are taking food that is hypocrisy because in your family in the house in the church there are people worse than them but who have been taught to live by faith and the church need to take care of those need first that is the church of living God we are going to pray two prayers I tell. one give me a heart of benevolence that Lord, whenever a need comes and I have the means, that I will not find it hard to release myself first. My money, my material, my time to others. Then you will now pray the second prayer. According to the need that will face me, bless me. Okay? The first precede the second. Understand what I'm telling you. The Bible did not say God will supply your wants. It will supply your need. So if God creates need for you, so that you have to meet the need of others, then God has the, the duty to bless you to that need. Pray God should direct people who have need to you, and God will uh, you know, open door for you, so that you will be able to have, make grace abound to you, you will be able to have at all times, to give you every good work. Shall we just pray? A heart of benevolence, a heart that sees needs of others, and a heart that gives itself to the service of humanity, first to the church and then to the society. Give me a heart, O oh God, that look for someone to help with the little that I have, with my skill, with my services, with my ability, with my knowledge and experience. Lord, I pray, create opportunity for me to be a blessing to somebody. To wipe away tears from the eyes of somebody in need. By using the things you have freely given me. Which will be the answer to the greatest need of somebody somewhere. Help me, O oh God, direct them to me. Give me a large heart to be willing to put a smile in somebody's face. Then tell the Lord, bless me. The Bible says God is able to make all grace abound unto you so that at all times, having enough, bless the works of my hands, bless the thought of my mind, bless my skill. Tell God, my needing trough, we are going to a new month. Tell the Lord, send me a blessing. Let my barn be full. Everything you have restored back to me this month, let my hand be full of them in the new month. That I will be fulfilled in this coming month. And your name be glorified. Blessed be your holy name, O God. In Jesus' anointed name, we are praying with thanksgiving. Please be seated. Let's have um, Pastor Tijani, I suppose. Oh, who is Pastor Claudette? Put your hands together for the Lord.
You've been blessed tonight? This is our opportunity to show the Lord that we are grateful for all the things you have been hearing. It is our time to give joyfully. Hallelujah. Joyfully. Hallelujah. Joyfully. Hallelujah. Joyfully. Hallelujah. Joyfully. Hallelujah.